this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Glad you could join us today. Many people know something about Disneyland Paris. Well, they certainly know at least that it's somewhere around Paris. They may know about the amazing catapult-style launch of Space Mountain, or how Big Thunder Mountain is actually on an island inside the rivers of America, and you go underneath the river to get there. Or perhaps they know about the dragon in the Dungeon of Sleeping Beauty Castle. But today, we're taking it to a whole nother level. We're presenting Insider Baseball when it comes to Disneyland Paris, because there are some very unique aspects of this park that many people haven't quite considered. By the time you're finished, you may want to consider booking your Disneyland Paris trip sooner than later. It's that unique and that cool. And possibly even cooler than Disney parks here in the United States. So join us for five things you may not know about Disneyland Paris. You may also want to check out DisneyAtPlay.com. Go ahead and subscribe there when you're there so you make sure that you're notified when podcasts come out and are available to you. Also, make sure you have, if you can, take the chance to subscribe to your podcast that you get um, podcast notifications also from your um, podcast um, delivery service. And if you have a chance, would you go over there or maybe over to um to uh apple podcasts and actually leave uh a positive rating or review that really helps us the the littlest podcast that ever could all right well what we want to do is get started and we're going to start with number one and that first thing that many people don't know is that marvel may be better at Disneyland Paris than in any other three parks. Now, let me explain this. If you're not aware, there is a Marvel presence in three specific parks worldwide. The first is Hong Kong uh, Disneyland. And there it's it's not um, an Avengers campus per se. Here, um, what you have is what's referred to as kind of the Stark Expo. It's kind of a smaller district within uh, Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland has the Orbitron, Tomorrowland has Hyperspace Mountain and some Star Wars elements, but it also has a very keen little corner dedicated to all things Marvel. It has uh, the Iron Man experience, which is actually, um, kind of like Star Tours or Body Wars in a simulator um, type experience, a terrific attraction. They also took their Buzz Lightyear and created what's known as Ant-Man and the Wasp um, Nano Battle, which is a very different take on that kind of gallery shooting kind of experience than you finally find with uh, Buzz Lightyear. But beyond that, and uh, a nice little gift shop, there's not a whole lot, a little bit of street entertainment maybe, but not a whole lot there at Hong Kong. At Disney California Adventure, well, it's much bigger. In that, uh, in that area, you have two major attractions, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, and you also have Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Solid attractions, fun attractions, it does feel um, the Avengers campus is a little more broken up because 
you know, you just keep looking at that Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout building and you keep thinking, that sure does look like the Tower of Terror. So it's hard to get past that. And I don't think they've done a good enough job around that area for really bringing it into Avengers Campus. There's also um, a restaurant, Pim Kitchen, which is a counter service area. And there's a lot of uh, Avengers, well, Marvel heroes that are just out and about. There's an ancient sanctum. Um, there's just lots of ways in which the characters uh, interchange. You have all that and more at Walt Disney Studios Paris. It just opened. I haven't had a chance to see it. It opened about three, four weeks after we were there last summer. You have the very same attraction that is at Disney California Adventure, the Spider-Man Web Adventure. They have their own unique take attraction, and, um, and it's called Avengers Assemble Flight Force. This is basically a redo on Rock and Roller Coaster, which has, from what I've seen, an amazing queue and a less than stellar um, a theatrical presentation during the ride. The ride's still solid like Rock and Roller Coaster, but, but they need to probably um, improve that aspect of it. But beyond that, they, they have a lot of things. For instance, they do have Pim Kitchen, only it's actually a buffet. It is a full dining experience. On top of that, they have what's known as Stark Factory Counter Service, and they have another counter service place called Super Diner Fast Food, which, by the way, is um, a little bit of a tribute to Peggy Carter's friend Angie. It's kind of a 1950s-style um, diner. And uh, so they actually have three major, you know, as well as just little kiosks, they have three um, major thematically uh, created uh, restaurants there. They have a much larger gift shop than Disney California Adventure. There they have what's known as the Mission Equipment Gift Shop. They have something called the Hero Training Center, which is kind of part meet and greet and part kind of acting out with the with the Marvel heroes. That's a great place. And then they have the Quinjet. Now, all three of these lands in Hong Kong and Disney California Adventure and Disneyland Paris are all supposed to eventually get a Quinjet-style attraction that remains to be seen. But they all have a, um, but but the one in California and the one in um, Paris has the beautiful Quinjet that sits on a platform. But beyond that, beyond just a really stronger thematic land at Walt Disney Studios Paris, they've taken it to a whole nother level because what they've done is uh, Disneyland Paris has always had a New York style themed hotel. I've stayed there many times. And let me tell you, they have remodeled this hotel to a whole new level. It did not look impressive when I was there, and that was 15 years ago. They have taken it and given the rooms a very sophisticated kind of look with that touch of marvel in it. That's very cool. The major reception areas and walk around areas. I mean, there is superhero artwork around every corner of the place. You have, when you, um, even the indoor gym and outdoor pool, it's called the Metro pool. They, there's little touches of Marvel just about wherever you go. There is a 
uh, how would I say it's kind of a superhero um, activity center for kids. There's the New York Boutique hosts a lot of Marvel uh, costumes. Uh, they have two major sit-down restaurants, one more, a little more casual, more buffet style than the Manhattan restaurant. The Manhattan restaurant, I don't see that it has any touches of Marvel, but the downtown restaurant has black and white etches, very classy looking of Marvel characters. And then there is um, a Skyline Bar, which has the, the view of New York City with the Avengers Tower in place. And I think occasionally Spider-Man is kind of swinging through there. Again, little touches as you go throughout. So between the hotel and the Avengers Campus, which is already a little bigger than, in some ways, than, than Disney California Adventure, if you really love your Marvel, guess what? Paris is actually the place to go to get that. Paris is also the place to go if you love the West. There is something that the French have a love affair with the American West like no other. And it really shows up in Frontierland. As you enter, you know, you some of the Frontierlands have sort of a fort-like entrance. Here it is a full-blown-out Fort Stark stockade with different exhibits inside of it. You have the Mark Twain and the Molly Brown, two different ships when they're operating that go around the rivers, the river there. You have Phantom Manor, which is the Haunted Mansion taken to a whole Western style to include kind of a ghost town ending, again, tied to that frontier feeling. Of course, you have the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which goes underneath the river, comes back up on the island, and does its whole thing before shooting back down underneath the river. Very cool. Rustler Roundup Shooting Gallery. Um, there are three, not one, not two, but three major counter service establishments. Last Chance Cafe is a little, a little more modest, but the Cowboy Cookout Barbecue, nice. It is a really great setting, a lot of indoor sitting. And honestly, I thought the food, which was kind of like barbecue hamburgers, I thought it was great. I thought it was as American as anything I would get here in the States. It was a nice touch. And then Fuente del um, Oro. Fuente del Oro is kind of a Tex-Mex kind of theme. But beyond that, they also have Beyond the counter service establishments, they have not one, but two major sit-down dining establishments. The Lucky Nugget, which is more counter service at Disneyland and is kind of a sit-down area as part of Liberty Square in Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom. They have the Lucky Nugget. It is a full sit-down restaurant. And then they have a terrific steakhouse called the Silver Spur. Both great dining experiences. They have a little playground in Frontierland. They have a little critter corral, which I don't know what the the status of that is. They've had horses there. They've had a petting zoo before. It's kind of evolved and kind of yet to be kind of figured out with the COVID coming on the other side of COVID. And they have a Frontierland theater. Now, mind you, the show in the Frontierland theater is The Lion King, which doesn't quite make sense to to a Frontierland theme. I wish they had a better Frontierland uh, theme for for a show there, but um, but it's a big theater. I, I wanna say it holds a few thousand. 
inside it. And then um, the last thing in Frontierland is not actually in Frontierland. It actually comes out of the Main Street Railroad Station and you go into a depiction of the Grand Canyon diorama before you head through um, the backwoods of Frontierland. Now, if this wasn't enough, I mean, this is already probably the most grandiose of all Frontierlands ever created for a Disney theme park. If that was enough, they have five, five Disney Frontier-themed resorts. Now, at Walt Disney World, we have Wilderness Lodge, which is great, and we, have, we also have Fort Wilderness. No, I mean, those are great resorts. Don't miss me on that. But they've got their share too. The Sequoia Hotel is not quite, it doesn't have the big grand atrium that uh, Wilderness Lodge, I don't think anything quite hits the mark like Wilderness Lodge. But the Sequoia Hotel kind of has that, that, um, uh, that, that a little bit more contemporary um, type look, but it is based in the National Park Lodges. Well, specifically Sequoia National Park. And it is a very nice hotel with great restaurants and, and amenities and an indoor-outdoor pool. It's a big hotel complex. Beyond that, they have two... Um, what would might be referred to as more moderate, somewhere maybe moderate hotel for the Cheyenne, maybe a little bit more toward value on the Santa Fe Hotel. The Cheyenne Hotel looks like you are um, having a showdown at the OK Corral. It is a frontier-like street, wide streets. They have horses uh, that, that you can take pony rides with for your kids. There's dining. There is, um, there's a Starbucks there, um, retail. It, it is, um, it's a little bit more of a walk to the Disneyland Paris area, as is the Santa Fe Hotel, but it is walkable uh, from that. And I think they also do do a, a bus shuttle as well. Santa Fe Hotel is unlike anything I have, I, I promise you someday I'm gonna give them a fuller review. Um, it, when you arrive, it looks like a drive-in theater the way the parking lot has been done there. It's very different, very unusual in its design. Um, and all the elements inside are also just very different, very unusual when you see the Santa Fe Hotel. And it'll include photos of all these as uh, as part of the Disney at Play um, podcast. Beyond that, they have the Davy Crockett Campground, which is the fourth thing. I think I said five, there were only four. Um, resort, but they have a big campground like Fort Wilderness, but it's named after Davy Crockett. And then the one thing I was going to mention as well, which is no longer there, kind of went away with COVID, but they used to have a big dinner show based on Buffalo Bill. It was a horse show and it was, they pulled out all the stops on that dinner show. That unfortunately has gone away. I don't think that'll ever come back. But it just gives you a sense. If you love, you if I know the last place you think about going to experience the American frontier is not Paris. But I'm telling you, they do a huge job of giving you a big dose of the um, America, American West when you visit um, 
Disneyland Paris Resort. So that's number two. Number one, Marvel is better here than anywhere. Number two, Paris loves the West. Number three, the closest thing to Walt's original vision of Epcot, an experimental prototype community of tomorrow, may be Val de Europe. Now, what is Val de Europe? Val de Europe, in many ways, is more like the spirit of Epcot. If you, most of you know that Walt's last film that he made was the idea of, of pitching an entire community, an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And it was going to have a downtown area that was enclosed and monorails running through it and people movers that took you out to the residential areas. And it was a totally, um, totally designed community that Walt had envisioned. That's part of why he purchased so much property when he could get it at such a low price in the early 60s. Now, when Walt Disney World opened, of course, Walt passed away before Walt Disney World opened. His brother Roy opened the park, uh, but then he passed away shortly. So those left in his place were trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? Their first attempt to this was something called um, Lake Buena Vista, uh, which is now, or actually, well, it was called Reedy Creek back in 1973. Now we call it Lake Buena Vista. The little shopping village that now has become Disney Springs, much bigger. And, and the area that is Saratoga Springs all had townhouses and even homes. A lot of people did not know that they actually tried a cul-de-sac with homes for sale that didn't work. In fact, it was actually um, Lake Buena Vista in its early years when it opened in 1973 that gave them the first red flags that maybe we ought not be trying to build an entire town. Now, all that kind of changed. Well, of course, Epcot became a sort of World's Fair type um, park. But then with additional, seeing that they still had additional land, especially south of 192, they went and built Celebration in 1994. And then later they added Golden Oak, which is a high-end residential section in 2012. That's fairly adjacent to uh, Fort Wilderness. Now, I'm telling you right now, the Val de Europe, probably follows the concept and the spirit of Epcot better than any of those three, Reedy Creek, Celebration, or Golden Oak. Imagine for a moment that you left the, you stepped outside of the Magic Kingdom. You boarded a train right there. It went across the lagoon to the area where Disney's Polynesian Village is or where the TTC is. And you stepped out of there and you actually stepped into an entire city. That's how close Val de Europe is to Disneyland Paris Park. It's not separated by a lagoon. It's It really just kind of runs underneath um, some of what is the Disneyland Paris property. But when it comes out on the other side, in, in less than five minute, in a less than a five minute train ride, you are actually in a community. Val de Europe is really a cluster of five architecturally planned contemporary villages. These five villages take their cues from regional French architecture. It's kind of a timeless contemporary European look that is French inspired.
each village is only five minutes away walking distance from stores and other amenities. So you don't have to get on a people mover in order to get to the store. It's very close. And in fact, at the center of all of this, at the heart of it, near the train station, where again, you could get off the train. The train station is right, right outside of the two parks. The two parks are next to each other in the same way that Disney California Adventure and Disneyland is together. But now imagine, um, and so is their their Disney Village or what is their downtown Disney or Disney Springs. Imagine a fourth element, which is a train station. There you get on that train station and that train station can take you, it drops you off at the next location and it's right there adjacent to a major two-story mall with like 100, 190 retail food and beverage outlets. Plus it has a major supermarket attached to it. A lot of people, so I know this is kind of hard to, hard to kind of digest here, but this, and you can see some images that we have again on disneyatplay.com. And the train station, by the way, not only is a contemporary rail that can take you from the park to Val de Europe and then beyond to Paris, it also includes a high-speed rail track that is able to take you um, to really other corners of Europe. You, um, up until just recently, you could take it directly from London. Now that may have, there may have been an announcement that kind of temporarily has changed that and you may now have to go into Paris and then take that train into, into um, Disneyland Paris. But, but you can go to Belgium, and and uh, Holland, uh, you can move really out into the rest of Europe, just leaving from there. And I think it's a very interesting concept. By the way, I think when we visited uh, Val de Europe, we were at that time we we thought we had to get a COVID test. Now, what happened is the day after we got that COVID test, they did away with needing a COVID test to get on an airline. But we had gone to Val de Europe to go to the mall because there was a drugstore there that ran that COVID test. So that was our first introduction to Val de Europe. But looking around at this whole thing, we were thinking, oh my goodness, we could get a bed and breakfast or find a hotel here. We could camp out for several weeks, have our children come visit us take turns going out to different parts of Europe and then coming back to Val de Europe. I'm, I'm telling you, you, it is kind of the, it, I wouldn't say it's the heart. I'm kind of be more in Germany or Switzerland if I was in the heart of Europe, but it really is a great stopping place on the way to other places in Europe. And if you're looking at doing a European type vacation, you just may want to check out this Val de Europe. Now, my opinion, if you're just about going to Disneyland Paris, the hotels just adjacent, particularly the Disneyland Hotel, which is outside the gates of the Disneyland Paris Park, I, I would recommend that above all things. However, um, and we stayed in Sequoia Lodge, which is just, you know, kind of around the, one, of the, one of the ponds there or little lakes there. And we like that. A whole lot um, but if you're looking to do a longer stay or if you're looking to maybe find a way to save money on a on a stay there look around to what may be available to you 
at Val de Europe. It is, and and consider the design, the urban design of this area, which is a joint venture between Disney and the French government. It it really, really, from an urban designing point of view, it really does a better job of mirroring what was intended with the original Epcot than anything else Disney has ever has ever worked on. So that's number three. The closest thing to Walt's original vision of Epcot may be Val de Europe. Next, Walt Disney Studios Paris, the second of the two parks. There's a Magic Kingdom style park called Disneyland Paris, but the Walt Disney Studios Paris is more studio looking than Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now you'll recall that in the earlier days of Disney's Hollywood Studios, you found a lot of backlot stages or buildings, big buildings that look like, not backlot, but um, uh, soundstage type looking facilities. For instance, it's still that way with Rock and Roller Coaster, the building which actually houses the coaster still looks like a, um, a soundstage type building. But really, and, and mind you, don't miss me on this. I love Disney's Hollywood Studios far more than Walt Disney Studios Paris. But if you want to get the feeling of being in a studio, actually, they do a better job at Walt Disney Studios Paris. When you step to the gates of it, it looks like a studio on the other side. There are all these sound stages. There is, remember the old Earful Tower? Well, there's an Earful Tower, Mickey Water Tower, right adjacent to the entrance of where, as you go in, as you step into the entry, the front lot courtyard is what they call it, and you proceed forward, you go into what's called Studio One. And Studio One is is their main street. Only their main street here is entirely indoors. And when you step indoors, it's like one big soundstage with everything. The best way to describe it, and this goes way back for some of you who remember the early days of Disney's Hollywood Studios, but the Playhouse Disney attraction used to be called the Soundstage Restaurant. And it was divided into three sections. It would have backdrops and props and, and different things to suggest different scenes within um, this, this, um, this restaurant. And, and then there was a, um, a lounge that was up on top of that, where, which was actually like one of the first bars that, was, that ever showed up in a Disney park per se. Um, it is now, by the way, a Club 33 and is completely separate of Playhouse Disney and what that looks like now. But when you step into this, I'll try to get you a video you could see on, on Disney at play.com. I love this setting. A, it's indoors. And that's really important because you get some really, it's either going to be really cold on a lot of days or sometimes really hot on certain days. And it all is Hollywood when you step inside. Lots of Hollywood themes like the Brown Derby, but you don't have a full-blown uh, Brown Derby restaurant. You have a rest uh, counter service area with the Brown Derby caricatures kind of hanging as as um, scenery 
throughout and and all these different things that become different shops and different restaurants and different spaces within studio one it is very it looks like a studio only the theme here is hollywood you step out beyond that you get into what's called production central even the tower of terror annex as you get to the hotel the hotel is 3d but the buildings in front of it are just like a back lot with facades that kind of create the street around Tower of Terror, but they're all facades on the other side. Toon Studios is um, on the right as you as you exit Studio One, and you know they did something very clever to the magic carpets. Now we we all know I'm not a fan of magic carpets of Agrabah in Adventureland at the Magic Kingdom. I feel like it's an eyesore in the middle of a very well-themed um, jungle setting. And here you have these, it just doesn't, doesn't work. But here, it not only have they imitated that ride, they put a back lot scene to it, and then they created this, and I'll have to get some video of it too. They, they created these, this, um, uh, section where you can go up a level and actually film across or film down on the guests as they're going on this. And Genie is there and he's looking like a movie director and calling the shots. It's very clever for, again, that Hollywood studio type feeling. Even more so like Universal Studios and the old Disney um, MGM Studios, that had the Backlot Tour. The Backlot Tour still exists. It's now called Cartastrophe Canyon. I could put a video of that in as well, or link to it. And Cartastrophe Canyon takes you to Catastrophe Canyon, only it has a Cars theme. But all of it is done in this sense of Hollywood production, uh, studios kind of atmosphere. Now that's changed as you get to the Ratatouille section, and it's changed as you get to the new Adventure Campus. They are more fully fledged thematic areas, kind of like you you see when you go to Black Spire Outpost or Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at, at Disney's Hollywood Studios. But um, a lot of people will be surprised how, how studios looking, the Walt Disney Studios Paris looks like when you go to um, Disneyland Paris. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about, number five, and this is the most interesting thing to me, is a lot of long forgotten and even classic Disney films are honored in Disneyland Paris. Now, of course, you're going to have Pirates of the Caribbean with um, Johnny Depp in there. You're obviously going to have Snow White's Adventures and Peter Pan's Flight and Alice's Curious Labyrinth, you know, major animated films are going to show up there. So there's no real surprise with that. But beyond that, there are very subtle touches lending themselves to particular long forgotten films. Let me give you the first example of this. On Main Street, you walk into Harrington's, Fine China, and Porcelain's. And this store is drop dead gorgeous. It is, well, all the stores are beyond, be 
are at a whole different level than the stores you find, even though the facades, many of the facades on Main Street look like the facades on at the Magic Kingdom. When you step in the stores, you are at an elevated level of detail. Harrington actually relates to Pollyanna's aunt in the um, 1950s classic Pollyanna, and that's the reference that's made there. I mentioned earlier the Grand Canyon. Well, actually, Disney had done a sort of documentary on the Grand Canyon. I think it was 1959, about the same time as Pollyanna. That is part of what you see there. When you go to the, um, what I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about Frontierland, the Fort Stockade, you see dioramas pointing toward um, experiences with Davy Crockett. And of course, the campground is named after Davy Crockett. When you go to Adventure Isle, one portion has Peter Pan's, or Captain Hook's pirate ship in it, which is very kind of cool. It looks like Captain Hook's pirate ship. Another portion has Swiss Family Treehouse, similar to what you would see at, um, at the Magic Kingdom. But the third section of this island which is kind of their uh, Mark um, Tom Sawyer Island, but it, it's kind of a play island with lots of caves to explore and so forth, is based on Treasure Island. Not Treasure Planet, but Treasure Island, which again is a 1950s um, classic film that features things like Spyglass Hill and Ben Gunn's Cave. Those of you who love Disneyland know one of the things that's cool about Disneyland that's not a Walt Disney World is that they have the adventures of Mr. Toad. They don't have that ride experience at Disneyland Paris, but when you when you go to um, when you go to Paris, you'll see that there is an entire restaurant based that is in the um, that looks like Toad Hall. And this is a place where they serve fish and chips and kind of traditional British food, perfect for Brits who are coming over to France to visit if that's something they want. Um, and so you have a whole toad hall there in France. Go to the castle. And the castle, of course, is themed after Sleeping Beauty. That's very familiar. But then you'll see that one of the retail outlets is based on Merlin. Now we have a sword in the stone from Merlin and and his um, and that film, but the whole dragon under the castle actually is related not to Maleficent, although the signage kind of suggests Maleficent's horns when you enter the caves, but it's actually the backstory actually relates to Merlin having made a friend with the dragon and that dragon lives down in the dungeon and you can go visit down below. It's so very, very cool. Stepping toward It's a Small World, you pass by an old mill and that old mill relates to a 1930s film called The Old Mill, which won them an Academy Award and is how they, one of the first films that used this idea of um, a multi-plane camera. In fact, when you go through um, the Disney Museum piece at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you see that exhibit. You see the pictures of the old mill and they show a video showing how that works. Well, the old mill at one point was built. It now has a refreshment area in it, 
But at one point, it actually had buckets and you could actually do something of a Ferris wheel. They did do away with that at some point, but they have that. If you, this one is so crazy. They have Storybook Land canal boats um, that, um, um, they have Storybook Land canal boats that are, um, similar to the ones at Disneyland, but the, one of the last scenes you see is the Land of Oz, actually dating not back to, I mean, there was um, a film not done long ago, I think Oz the Great and Powerful. This is a different Oz movie that was done back into the 1980s um, that... Um, that most people don't even remember. It's in fact, I'm trying to look at the, the oh, Return to Oz was the name of it, and they actually have a diorama from of the, the Emerald City from Oz. It's very, very unique. Turning around the corner, away from it's a small world. There's the gelati store that's themed after Fantasia. Going into Discovery, um, Discovery Land which is their Tomorrowland. There is something called Cafe Hyperion. Hyperion relates in part to the Hyperion Studios, but in this instance, it really relates to the Hyperion ship, which appeared in a Disney 1970s film called Island at the Top of the World, a Jules Verne-like film. Didn't do well. I loved it. I think I saw it three times when it was in the movie theater at that time. Uh, killer whales in it and and this incredible dirigible that 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 ship appears as a centerpiece in Discovery Land. It is so cool. And ad and adjacent is Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Of course, we're familiar with that, but it still exists. It's not gone like the one at Walt Disney World. Beyond the gates, you have Annette's Diner that relates to Annette Funicello. Um, you have. Um, I talked to you about Studio One. There you have this pedestal like you're doing a repair on an automobile. And on top of that pedestal is Herbie the Love Bug, which I didn't even see until this last time I went through. I didn't even know that was there. And then in the New Avengers campus, they not only, you know, of course, play on Tony Stark and Captain America and Spider-Man, you can actually go back to Captain Carter and her desk is at Stark Factory, one of the uh, counter service restaurants there. At, so you actually get these long and forgotten classic Disney films and TV shows and so forth that are actually honored at Disneyland Paris. You won't get referenced in any other Disney theme park. It's just crazy and wonderful and unique. And if you look for it, then it, you 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 actually see um, see it there. So. Our first one, Marvel at Disneyland Paris is really better here than anywhere, especially if you take advantage of the New York um, Art of Marvel Hotel. Second, if you love the West, well, so does Paris because their frontier land and their resorts celebrate the West like no other Walt Disney theme park. Third, the closest thing to Walt Disney's original vision of Epcot maybe Val de Europe, which is just a quick train ride just outside the gates of the park. Fourth, the Walt Disney Studios Paris is more studio looking than Disney's Hollywood Studios. 
And then finally, fifth, long forgotten and classic Disney films are honored throughout the parks. It's really very cool. And I haven't even gotten to this. If you're not even that familiar with Disneyland Paris, there's so many other details. We're going to cover more. I realized after going through so many other topics over the summer, I and then into the fall, I have not done enough to talk about Disneyland Paris because as I look back on this last year, that was truly the highlight of our year was visiting that park. I had visited it many times previous, but it had been 15 years. And I tell you, I came back to something more enchanting. Met up with a friend of mine, a fellow um, hockey, underwater hockey player. I play underwater hockey. And he was from Paris. We got to talking about the Disney parks and how they compared to Disneyland Paris. And it is really one of the most beautiful parks in the world. The design, the level of design and detail as, as evidenced by the things we've covered tonight and so many more things that we'll cover in the weeks ahead. Let me tell you, you should be looking. It's still, um, it's still difficult to consider going to Asia to visit the parks. Um, you know, they've closed Shanghai Disney and uh, it's just a little bit more tenuous over there. If anything, you know, it takes, it really isn't a very long flight to get to London or to Paris and to experience that. So I highly recommend that um, if you are thinking about a trip outside the U.S. Disney parks. Well, that wraps it up for this Disney at Play podcast. Thanks for joining us. You know, the best way to support us is through our Patreon group, the uh, Wayfinder Society, you know, Wayfinder like Moana, uh, so many cool things that are a part of that. When you go to DisneyAtPlay.com, you can click on links that will give you a sense of the interactive tools and things that we uh, we provide those who support this Patreon experience. So be sure to check that out. And finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart no matter where you are. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.